0: Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I am your host. I'm Al Melchior. Uh, I'm, I'm here like I am four times a week, although without being here on Memorial Day, it feels like it's been a while. Uh, so lots to catch up on. And joining me for the whole show to catch up on all the uh, goings on in the major leagues and in fantasy is Jessica Kleinschmidt. So, Jessica, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. I know it was just like, that one little Monday, but it kind of throws you off. I don't know what day of the week it is today. I'm hoping yeah, it's well, Thursday. We'll
0: figure <laughs> it out. Uh, we're both here. They let us on the air, so I'm going to guess that it really is Thursday. But, yeah, right. I'm with you. I have been off all week, uh, not knowing what day mm-hmm. it is. So, uh, and, and, Jess, I, I give you – well, first of all, I should say, I, I know you've got some big news. I don't know if you're at liberty to share it yet, though. But I'll give you the No, opportunity.
1: you're one of – you're like you're kind of a big deal al you're one of very few people who know but i haven't officially Whoa. announced it yet but yeah so I'm, I'm in the middle of the background check for this new job opportunity so once that's official just because i don't like jinxing myself and all of that then i can make the big announcement
0: All right. Well, we will uh, keep our eyes and ears open for that. Uh, But I'm glad you made it on the show today, Jess, because I know it's been rough. Uh, You know, we have been uh, off. uh, The show's been off the air since Sunday. So we have not talked about the Mike Trout situation. I know that's taken Ah. a toll on you. And if that wasn't bad (laughs) enough, I was watching the uh, A's against the activated Corey Kluber so you know i I appreciate you gutting it out and
1: uh it's been an emotional few days for me al it's been very emotional
0: (laughs) we'll get the tough part over with here for starters as we uh, get to some of the bigger news items uh so mike trout he did have a successful surgery on the ucl of his left thumb uh, but that recovery time is still expected to be six to eight weeks um I know you you love Mike Trout. We all love Mike Trout. Do you actually own him in leagues this year?
1: Um, very a little bit only because it's really hard to grasp him, and I don't really get lucky in regards to my draft, uh, you know, location. But I, anytime you get a, a chance to grab him, you do. Uh, so definitely a little bit of exposure. So trying to replace him is difficult. It's the first time he's been on the DL, so it's just, it's not a good mentality to have. So it's just it's a lot to handle, and I you know. I'm not going
0: get, to get rid of him for anything, let's be honest. Uh, no, uh, You know, I probably won't either. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I would certainly listen to offers. I've got him in Tout Wars, uh, which is the first time I can remember owning Trout. <laughs> I'm sure maybe sometime, maybe oh, there you go. a few years back. But, you know, it was I was very excited to have him. But I know everybody's dealing with big injuries, so I'm going to try not to be too much of a crybaby about it. And uh, as I mentioned before, Corey Kluber – off the DL and looking very, very sharp against the A's this afternoon. That game is in the top of the ninth. It's a, been a, a route eight, nothing Indians. So that's okay. just the tip of the iceberg in terms of, uh, today's action and, and the news. So Jess, uh, you and I will be back right after the break and, uh, we'll wrap up the rest of the news and take a look back at yesterday's performances. So stay with us. welcome back everybody this is fan rack fancy baseball and i am your host al melgior and with me for the entire show is jessica kleinschmidt and i see that jess uh, spent the break uh tweeting out how cruel i was to start off this show <laughs>
1: You're getting all the out. negative stuff out of the way. I, and I, mean, That's right. I appreciate that. I was like, I was like, wow, okay, because I was. Well, I mean, I was watching the A's game before I came on, and I was like, Cluber's Kluber's doing well, and then of course, Nash, I'm like, oh, you're doing that against the A's. How wonderful! Thanks so much. <laughs> Congratulations, that- Kluber. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, that that provides with a good little segue to preview something later on in the show, Jess, because we're going to do a segment. I think it's the first time I've ever actually really done this as a segment, but we've done, you know, little mm-hmm. bits of this here and there. But a whole bunch of pitchers where we're going to ask the question, is it the pitcher or is it the matchup? So right. I, I think it was Kluber and not the A's today, but mm-hmm. the A's had a rough trip. Uh, it was yeah. an, a, a rough game, but yeah, I'll, I'll make you feel better. We can switch the topic to the Mets. Uh, who are having both mascot and ball boy issues. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> what just... is those poor Mets? Oh my gosh. Like what's <laughs> what else could possibly happen? I'm scared to even ask that because Lord knows they'll find something.
0: That's right. Yeah. I think that's, that's a question better off uh, to go unasked. So uh <laughs> uh better I think to just uh go to the news and, and get through that uh hopefully without incident. And um just uh moments before the show it was reported that the Giants are going to be calling up uh, A outfielder Austin Slater. So they've really been yes. uh, putting a piecemeal outfield together there. And you say yes? Was so what? what you...
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was just here um, yesterday. Uh, or the day before yesterday, uh, the Giants AAA affiliate, were, were, they were here at the River Cats, And I've actually watched Austin Slater over the last couple of seasons. And when uh, for FanRag, I wrote an article about the PCL players to watch heading into the season, and Austin Slater was on there. He's obviously got an easy name to remember, but the guy has so much power. But it's not... Erratic power. You know, when you're thinking about the PCL, and I could say this until I'm blue in the face, you're going to see guys with power. Um, and of course, you know, he's used to playing at these fields where the ball is just going to fly, but he just he evens himself out. Um, he's great in the outfield and everything like that. So I'm, I'm really looking, looking forward to seeing what he does. I believe this is going to be his major league debut. Um, so it's going to be an interesting scenario there. But I, you know how it is with the PCL. Every time they get promoted from the PCL, I definitely, it's a little bit of, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think he's going to be very
0: successful I, yeah well I hope so certainly somebody I'll probably uh, take a chance on in some of my deeper leagues and I'm glad that you've seen him uh just because mm-hmm. I'm only familiar with him through the stat line and you're right that is uh this will be his major league debut but he does mm-hmm. seem uh from the stats like he's been more of a line drive hitter so especially yeah. playing in San Francisco I wouldn't expect a whole lot of power from Slater, right. but maybe uh, a lot of doubles. He's hitting 322, uh right now uh, in Triple A, so maybe he is somebody who can bring that high batting average and a good on base percentage to uh, to the Giants. And also, he's got a little bit of what I think of as kind of the the Adam Frazier thing going on. As I'm thinking out lot here. Kind of a lot of parts of his game sort of look like Adam Frazier, um, but um, he's he it looks like he's got some stolen base potential, but he's not. Been very successful in terms of his stolen base rate, so you know again a deeper league take a flyer maybe maybe you get some steals maybe you get some some batting average from uh, Austin Slater. So.
1: Yeah, I always I always wonder about that confidence issue. I mean, if I were to steal bases somewhat in my in the minors and they get promoted i don't know if my confidence would be boosting out it's not like if he's christian arroyo where the guy was just like screw it i'm gonna go crazy and let's let's make things happen and he had that confidence it's not going to be a a redundant scenario so when it comes to stolen bases i'm always kind of like i don't really know how they're going to perform because you have to have that confidence factor if you're going to be stealing against a major league you know catcher so it really depends on how that goes but yeah just uh, like a few stolen bags um on the season but It'll be interesting to see how he performs with that confidence kind of, um, you know, transitions. And I think it will. He's definitely a confident guy. and I'm really bummed I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I definitely got to see him. And the guy has tons and tons of potential.
0: Well, that is good and encouraging to hear. And I think you, you pick him up in the deeper leagues for the batting average and and maybe you get a few stolen bases as, as a bonus then. Um, yeah. Moving on to some injury news. Uh, Justin Upton had to leave uh, yesterday's game early with a mild right quad strain, but it is a mild strain, and both Upton and Brad Osmus are saying that it is not a big deal. So uh, if you're mm-hmm. an Upton owner, hopefully that is correct. Uh, Wellington Castillo back on the DL, this time with a testicular injury. I will not go into the details, mm-hmm. but it didn't sound good.
1: I've never had uh, one, so I don't, I can't determine how long that he would be out for.
0: Yeah, uh I I haven't either <laughs> fortunately, hopefully it stays that way. Andy McCullough with uh some uh Dodger updates, uh specifically around Alex Wood. He has uh flown back to LA to get examined by team doctors. Uh this was initially thought to be a um just a minimum stay for uh, his shoulder issue, but uh while there's not a concern on the part of uh manager Dave Roberts, terms of structural damage to the shoulder he is going to get his sternum examined so it looks like there's uh, just a whole complex of issues there for alex wood yeah. and definitely does not sound like he's going to be back after the uh the minimum 10 days on the DL. adonis garcia will be back from the DL. he will be activated tomorrow he's been out with a heel injury but he is not going to go back to his everyday role at third base because rio ruiz the most part, has been uh, pretty impressive over there. Uh, And so they're going to split the job. And if it's a straight platoon, that'll mean actually more playing time for Ruiz than Garcia. So uh, Mm -hmm. just if you you had a chance at all to see Ruiz in action, and, and what are your thoughts on him?
1: I like him. I mean, he's striking out a little bit more um, this time around. The power has certainly um, digressed from a couple seasons back, or last season with the Braves, uh, or yeah, with the Braves. And um, so that's definitely something that I'm paying attention to. And I think he just needs a little bit more exposure. He only has 14 games on the season, um, so it's definitely something um, to to kind of watch. But if it's a platoon situation. I always get nervous with the term platoon. If you listen to a lot of beat writers and they say platoon, a lot of the fantasy um, players are going to get a little bit freaked out. You know, they don't know. Does that mean 50%? Does that mean 20%? We don't a hundred percent know. Um, but when it comes to Ruiz, I think he's going to get a little bit more exposure. So when you hear the term platoon in this scenario, I wouldn't freak out. I think Ruiz is still going to get a lot of playing time.
0: Yeah, no, I think so too. And, uh, you know, the numbers haven't been, you know, as you were alluding to, they haven't been, you know, head turning up to this point. And he's not a big power guy, but uh yeah, I think there there is some potential there. So we talked a little bit earlier about the Indians and A's. That game has now gone final. So that is eight uh, nothing Indians. Kluber, mm-hmm. I did mention he's having a good start, but the final line for him, six innings, uh scoreless, obviously, because it was an eight nothing final. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with 10 strikeouts and just one walk and two hits for Kluber. So, yeah, he is totally A-OK. Uh, Danny back. Salazar, <laughs> He's definitely yeah, back. <laughs> he's definitely back. Danny Salazar <laughs> made a relief appearance of this one, a, a scoreless inning, uh, pitched the ninth, and got a couple of strikeouts. So, uh, small baby step, encouraging sign there for Danny Salazar. Jarrell Cotton, only one earned run allowed in this game over five and two-thirds, but it, it was ugly, particularly towards, towards the end for, for Jarrell Cotton. Uh, and just to update you on some of the other scores, uh, we got the Brewers two nothing over the Mets, chase Anderson, putting together another very nice start. in this one, uh, he's actually still in the game, six scoreless for him and Cardinals also up two nothing over the Dodgers. Uh, Brandon McCarthy back in action in this one. He left the last start early and has given up two runs in four innings. And Adam Wainwright with another good start. Um, you know, just one of the things I wanted to do later on the show, I don't know how much time we're going to have for it, is to talk about players we're not sure are legit. I have not been buying mm-hmm. this really nice run of starts from Adam Wainwright. Uh, how, how are you mm-hmm. liking him, especially now that it looks like he's off to another good outing?
1: I mean, I'm a little bit torn just because he is Adam Wainwright. He's been walking a little bit more, which um, obviously you don't want to see as much as the, a as the pitcher goes. I'm not sure... As far as the DFS community, how much they're picking up on him? He's actually not mentioned as much. Maybe it's because people are kind of over him. And look at all the talent that we have this this time around. So, I um, mean, the power, uh, the hard contact rate off of him—I um, haven't double-checked it—but those walks are what's really um, kind of worrying me in that regard. But I'm kind of with you. I think, um, like I'm, I did mention, I'm torn, but I am leaning towards not really being um, sold on him this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, just the, the peripherals don't really seem to back up the, the improvement in the performance that we've seen from him lately. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned DFS, Jess, so that's a good cue for me to talk about the rest of the slate. It's a small one, just four games tonight, and we got one more afternoon game, the Rockies at the Mariners. Uh, we've got lineups out for that. We've got the Orioles lineup for tonight. Uh, no um, Gerard Dyson for the Mariners. So we got Guillermo Heredia in center and Taylor Motter in left Ben Gamel in right. Um, But uh, yeah, and the weather for those games, no, no issues at all. It doesn't look like there's any significant Mm -hmm. precipitation chance uh, for that. So um, if you are going to play that small slate tonight, at least, yeah, I don't think you're going to see any players washed out of that slate, which is a good thing. Yeah. There's not a lot of, big choices there so uh, well we got ahead head to break very shortly here but we still have coming up is uh, looking at the standout performances from Thursday or from uh, rather Wednesday's game see I don't know what day it is <laughs> and we're gonna play is it the pitcher or is it the matchup so stay tuned for that we are going to be right back in just a few minutes Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkior, and my guest today is Jessica Klein-Schmidt. And uh, just before the break, we had uh, gone over some of the uh, newsworthy items, some of the scores, some of the lineups. Uh, We do have one more lineup in right now. Uh, One of those four night games is the Marlins and the Diamondbacks in Miami. It's uh, the return and the Marlins debut of Jeff Locke, who was activated off Mm -hmm. the DL. Um, Justin Nicolino put on the DL. So Zach Granke versus Jeff Locke, a couple of all-stars. And mm-hmm. yeah, I do say that tongue in cheek. Uh, but we have John yeah. Carlos Stanton back in the lineup, uh, batting second for the Marlins. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to get into it, uh, today, Jess, but when we get close to all-star game, I, I usually go on at least one rant about how. Uh, I, I hate the fact that we reward players for two or three good months and, and they get to be an all-star.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I know. I agree. Right. Like, well, they, they bring it what well, they bring out, like, let's vote for Aaron judge after one week of play that annoys me too, <laughs> you know, and it's, and I'm not saying Aaron judge doesn't deserve to be an all-star, but that, that was just an example, right. but it's, it's, it's like, I feel like we haven't even finished spring training and we're voting for all-stars and that's a big pet peeve of mine. I understand it brings, you know, revenue to the site, you know, cause they're constantly clicking and voting. I love the fan participation to an extent. Cause I feel like some of it's biased, And then the next thing you know, right down to the wire is it about is this guy worthy of an all-star roster spot or he's he just getting a lot of hashtag retweets and that's another scenario that kind of weirds me out but i i appreciate <laughs> the fan participation and that's all i'm going to say about that
0: all right well yeah, i think that's a good way to to, to wrap up that discussion but i'm glad to have an ally <laughs> yeah. uh in in that uh that discussion but uh you know what what is worthy of an all-star uh uh, an all-star uh, award or all-star, not an award, but an all-star appointment is the fancy sports radio network app. You can now take the world's premier 24 seven fantasy sports radio network with you, wherever you go. You can download the fancy sports radio app now in the iTunes store or on Google play and listen for free. Anytime. Anywhere you can hear Tony Sinkata on the treadmill, Benny Richardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Talk about an all-star lineup there. You can take them with you. You can just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seely when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fancy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. All right, well let's continue the uh trend here talking about all-stars. Adam Jones. Not necessarily uh, as many all-star-like performances as we were accustomed to in the past. But on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. he went three for five with a home run and a double. uh, Both of those extra base hits off Masahiro Tanaka, who uh, had a, a dreadful start. And we'll talk more about that later. And a five RBI performance for Jones. Now, I mean, I think this game's notable in its own right. But Jones was one of the players that I really went out of my my way to advise people to sit this week. And that was even before he missed a few more games with his injuries. But Mm -hmm. he has been just awful against left-handed pitching since the beginning of last year. He's got a 572 OPS. The Orioles now take on the Red Sox. They get Rick Porcello, and then they get three lefties, uh, Rodriguez, Sale, and Pomeranz. So Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that just looked like just a terrible matchup for Jones. So, I mean, Jess, in in weekly leagues, how do you how do you negotiate that? Because I've been burned a couple of times already this season with a schedule that just looks really horrible for a player. And yet in one or two games, they will just completely make up for it. So, I mean, do you think we can go overboard with uh, slicing slicing down splits and, and making decisions based on that?
1: i mean yes and no the thing that's why i kind of love the inconsistent players i mean heading into before i really got into dfs inconsistency really made you want to you know make or break your season-long team so when it comes to inconsistent players that's what i love about dfs you can take a chance on a on a guy like that um you know we, we talked about tyler collins how he was kind of like that he's actually being a little bit more consistent right now but somebody like adam jones This year is is kind of a fun treat because, you know, his regression kind of happened in 2015, the end of 2015, up until about mid 2016 when it came to his hitting. So the regression factor was certainly there. So when it comes to that, when you're heading into like a weekly or a season or a daily type of league with these types of guys, it's actually kind of fun to watch because if you're not too stressed about the matchup, you don't have to worry about it. When it comes to Jones, he's actually not spoken about a lot when it comes to a DFS play. When you're thinking of an Orioles stack, you used to want to put Jones in there, but not so much anymore. With Castillo out for 10 days, that changes it up as well. And now it's the stack option. You're not really going to be thinking about Jones. But you did mention when he does go off, he goes off. He's like Gallo kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, and it's not not like Gallo, but when Gallo goes off, he goes off. But so he's kind of a huge question mark for me. Season long, it's really hard for me to kind of go all out there for him. But DFS wise, he's actually kind of fun to play.
0: Yeah, no, I can see it. And again, especially when he's facing a righty and it's not, uh, I mean, Tanaka would have been yeah. a tough call because we don't, you know, we don't know which version we're going to get from start to start, but uh, you know, usually with a righty, yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy call with Adam Jones. Oh
1: yeah. Tanaka, Tanaka's is the, the box of chocolates play. You literally <laughs> don't know who you're going to get. It's, and it's funny because, you know, heading into a matchup, All the DFS guys are like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and they're worried about the weather. And then he he does awful, and you're like, wow, you were not expecting that from Tanaka. So, yeah, he's (laughs) he's my box of chocolates pitcher for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, Well, I'm I'm going to go back to a a simpler, better time for the the Oakland A's because we've you know kind of trashed on them a little bit for uh, a not-so-great game against the Indians today. But on Wednesday, Chad Pender... Went yard twice in a 3-for-3 outing, and that brought his average up to 286, which is now back down because I think he took an 0 for – almost everybody in the A's lineup took an 0 for in this game. Yeah, Pinter went 0 for 3 today, so he's back down to 273. But um, Hmm. when Marcus Simeon comes back – I mean, I think until then, Pinter's got a pretty fair shot at playing time. But when Simeon comes back, what happens there?
1: Well, uh, Bob Melvin was mentioning – he didn't really – name drop Simeon, but he did talk about how since Pinter's really proven himself he's going to be getting more exposure. But the thing that I love about Melvin is, is if you look at his scenario just in the bullpen, there were so many scenarios going with the closers and the saves. He always kind of figured it out. And I think the scenario is going to happen once again with this, the mid-infield scenario. And when you're thinking about the age, not thinking of that power, but when you're looking at the second base scenario over the last couple of, of seasons, the power has certainly been there. So I can't 100% say confidently that I'm going to Know what he's going to do with those mid-infielders because Pinder's certainly, you know, proven himself. And I know you'll appreciate this pun. The aide on um, NBCS in the Bay Area I said swipe right on Pinder. And that's kind of what I'm saying <laughs> to him. Swipe right on him. The guy, before he gets too expensive, and, you know, especially when it comes to an A's, A's kind of scenario, if you're going to be able to afford him, uh, or you're going to be able to afford him now before he starts getting really hot. But, yeah, I mean, the guy's just been phenomenal, and and the, your only concern with that is, like you mentioned, when Simeon comes back, it could be, be a platoon scenario, a platoon situation, but I don't really see it being a bad issue because Simeon's great on defense and he's certainly improving himself with his bat, but Pinder has as well. So I don't hundred percent know what uh, Melvin's going to do, but either way you're going to have success out of either one of them.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and the one thing I'm definitely not going to do is um, is question Jed Lowry's place in the lineup. Oh, I'll tell yeah. you why. Quick, we got a lot to get to. It, it, it's been going well for Lowry, so that's reason enough. But uh, last year, I, I talked to Jed Lowry. It was either very early in the season or during spring training. I, I don't recall which, but uh, you know, it was before he was hurt, and you know, asked him something to the effect of, you know, well, they have a number of infielders coming up. They seem like they're close to, uh, you know, major league ready. You know, how do do you, do you see your role changing? And and he really. I think almost took offense. I' like, you know, I'm not some washed up old veteran, you know, so right. uh, I'm gonna perish the thought that it's Jed Lowry that loses playing time to uh, to Chad Pinder.
1: Yeah, well, and he was also in a different mental state. You could tell i don't I don't think he was really excited to go back to Bay. I really don't think he was, and I really? think that I, oh, I really don't um, and and that was, and I can't remember what the scenario was, but I think like Twitter made Twitter posted something. And I think he gave attitude when he found out he was leaving the Astros to go back to the A's. And it wasn't towards the fan base. But I think he was just bummed to have to play at the field again, which makes sense. Who likes to actually play at code? Every pitcher I've ever talked talk to who's pitched there hates it. And a lot of batters hate it, too, unless they're really, you know, into dominating that foul territory. But he was not for a little bit, of course. I think now that he's doing well, it's, he's embracing it again. But I don't think he had to yeah. do that. It
0: <laughs> right. It's worked out, worked out just fine this year. That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's uh, move on to a few of the big power-hitting performances. George Springer with two home runs, also four for four in that game, uh, with two walks. So he reached six times. It is 12th and 13th home runs. Uh, I think I did a reverse jinx on Springer because about a week ago I said I was mildly disappointed in the production this year, but <laughs> he's mm-hmm. uh, got showing the power and and lighting up the Statcast leaderboard. So. That was pretty silly of me. Uh, Justin Mm Borah with two more home runs. Uh, He's up to 15 now, and his batting average is up to 288. And Scott Shebler, only one home run for him on Wednesday, that at Toronto. But that was the 16th, and that is good enough for the National League lead in home runs. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't think too many people are really doubting the, the power from Springer. I mean, maybe there's still questions about batting average and stolen bases, but Justin Bohr and Scott Schebler, how legit are they uh, now that we're almost a third through the season?
1: I'm obsessed with Justin Bohr. He's one of my favorite guys to watch, and I think the reason why I'm really – excited for him is the fact that heading into the season the marlins said themselves that they wanted to expose him against lefties and he was awful against lefties last season and and he was up to the challenge and he's, he's successful you know and just about anything that he's been given him he, heading into the season he was this, this hot firecracker and then he regressed a little bit and now he's back up there but he's one of my favorite players for sure he's the real deal he really is the real deal
0: yeah i I don't see any reason to to doubt it i mean the biggest problem is just that there are so many first basemen who have emerged this year almost out of nowhere that it's hard to know you know how to make room for all of them but anyway uh that's going to wrap up our review of some of the hitting performances but when we come back is it the pitcher or is it the matchup play along with us we'll be right back stick around Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and my guest for today is Jessica Klein-Schmidt. And as I have been uh, promoting it throughout the show, we're going to play a fun little game called Is It the Pitcher or Is It the Matchup? Uh, but before that, a couple of items of business. And one is is to tell you about the RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge In-Season Fantasy Baseball Package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto Scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And this season, you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and watch your team soar to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code Free Radio at the checkout for a special discount. And just the other thing I wanted to do, too, before we get to our, our little game that I'm, I'm so excited to play here is um, – there were a number of, of standout pitching performances for from Wednesday. I'm going to breeze through most of these. Uh, James Paxton, mm-hmm. really good, really sharp in his first start back from the DL uh, against the Rockies mm-hmm. at home, but still against the Rockies. Sean Mania, another very, very good start uh, at Cleveland. Uh, again, that goes back to yesterday. Uh, they've already played them today. David Paulino with his first start of the season and only his second of his career. Only lasted four innings, but two runs with eight strikeouts. So that's definitely worthy of note, and Zach Godley does it again—fifth straight quality start. Oh, I love him. Yeah, what's not to love about Zach Godley? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he misses bats, and, and when the you know when hitters connect, it's it's a ground ball. So that's a great combo. Well, he's like
1: a great per- He's a great person too. He's so nice to the media, and because um, he, he was with the Aces uh, for Media Day. And you, you know how, like, he, like, there's this start now he that are super approachable. He was wonderful. And he definitely stuck out in my mind from then on. And then to see him perform well, is just the cherry on top.
0: That's, that's the best, isn't it? You know, yeah. you, 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 you know, you root for these guys uh, sometimes when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you meet them and they're, they're very cool. Um, but I want to focus in on a couple of starts that, I mean, one that actually was pretty good and one definitely not so good and that is Luis Perdomo and Aaron Nola. Um, Because even though their starts on Wednesday went in opposite directions with Perdomo uh, having his uh, sixth quality start out of his last seven tries, going seven innings with just two runs allowed, but Nola lasting only three innings uh, at the Marlins and allowing four runs on five hits and a walk. So very different starts, but if you look at the trends for both of them, I, I, you know, I've, I've talked to both of these guys over the course of the season. I love them, but both have really disappointing stat lines um, in, in Perdomo, even in spite of the fact that he has all those quality starts over that the mm-hmm. seventh start stretch where he has six quality starts. He's 0-2 with a 450 ERA, and he is allowed hitters when they hit a ground ball to bat 299. Uh, this is where he and Nola have something in common. When Nola allows his loud ground balls uh, over the course of this whole season, he's allowed hitters to bat 279. Now, the major league average is 245. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, I take that back. I'm sorry. I think I said 279 for Nola. It's 278. The Philly staff as a whole has allowed a 279 average. So that doesn't offer me a whole lot of hope that it's going to get better for Aaron Nola. And a similar deal for Perdomo. Again, 299 mm-hmm. average on ground balls against Perdomo. The Padres staff 270, which is considerably better, but still far above the major league average. And right. with Nola, it's really a head scratcher because that's you know that's a pretty good, especially at the middle infield with Galvis and Hernandez. I mean, those are yeah. two really good defenders behind him. You know, what what do you <laughs> do? You think that uh, it's just the whole pitching staff is having bad luck, or uh, what, what's going on with that?
1: Well, with, with Perdoma, I feel like I, I'm more comfortable with him now. I, he's he's a ground ball pitcher. I know what he's going to be giving. I know he's going to stay in the cheaper price range. I really pay attention to the matchup. Um, so you kind of, I kind of feel comfortable where what I'm getting with him. But I'm right there with you with Nola, and he, he's a, a question mark for me, mainly because of the fact where, I mean, he's not going to be – he is throwing a lot of ground balls, don't get me wrong, but his fly ball rate is raised slightly um, from – from the last couple of seasons, um, except for in 2015, where they seem to be hitting the ball quite up in the air form. But that home run fly ball rate against Nola, too, that's a, a situation that I pay attention to with this type of pitcher, only because of the fact when you're comparing a guy like this to Perdomo, You don't really know what you're going to get. I guess you could say Nola is another box of chocolates type of pitcher. So that's another type of scenario for me. And, you know, I mean, the strikeout rate's not super high, um, but it's certainly, you know, it's in the 20s, so it's certainly there. But he's walking quite a bit of people, too. So it really depends on the matchup for me. Uh, But but for me, between these two guys, Perdomo, I'm more comfortable and confident with. I know what I'm going to get with him. Nola, it's not that same scenario.
0: Well, you know that's a really good point you raise about the walk rate for for Nola because, you know, I, I maybe it's just because I'm such a, a fanboy that you know I'm I'm well it's it's the Phillies defense oh, that's I, the problem, <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah the the walk rate is definitely elevated for him uh it's uh, it's up to eight percent right now which is not you know exorbitant but it's it's higher than we're used to and high enough that he's certainly not helping his own cause, but I almost mm-hmm. wish Nola would allow fewer ground balls because that it's just weird. That with that infield, you wouldn't think that would be a problem, and yet it is. With Perdomo, at least in a way, I'm going to kind of spin this in the opposite direction that you did, Jess. Because with Perdomo, I feel pretty confident that there's not, you know, he's not really going to have some positive regression there. Like that's, it's not really a great infield defense he has behind him, and you know he's going to get tons of ground balls. So I think Mm -hmm. that a high whip is something you, you may just have to live with with Perdomo and it's disappointing because it should be a breakout year for him. It really should. So I, you know, I think my takeaway with both of these guys, Perdomo and Nola Nola, is I'm so tempted to buy into them, but I think until I see those bad, the babips for each of them shrink that they're not the, you know, the buy low or the, you know, positive regression candidates that they look like they are on paper. That's, that's my Mm -hmm. takeaway from that. Um, well, let's uh, let's get to the game, Jess. Uh, is it the pitcher or is it the matchup? So we got five pitchers here, mm-hmm. um, four of whom went very very well on Wednesday, and one not so much. But I think in each case you could you could potentially attribute to the matchup. And the first is Jaime Garcia, who had another really great start. That's three good ones in a row for him. Seven innings, one run on five hits, uh, three walks. And two strikeouts, and the one run was unearned. So mm-hmm. that was at the Angels. Mm-hmm. The Angels are—they're not—they're not terrible, but they're—they're they're certainly that they're not right. a, a, you know a great team against lefties. And maybe you know we've we modify this one. Is it the pitcher? Is it the matchup? Or is it the stadium? <laughs> so what? What do you attribute this exactly. performance to? So this one
1: is kind of a weird kind of overall experience for me, mainly because, I mean, it was a lefty against quite a few righty batters. Um, And, you know, obviously Mike Trout's out of the lineup, so that was something that I was considering, but I thought that would be, I knew it would help Garcia out, but, you know, I'm not the type of girl to say, oh, one person's going to, you know, carry this whole team. But when it comes to facing these Angels hitters, it's weird. The AL West alone just trips me out. And I'm not saying the Angels are bad, but, I mean, they're good, they're great for an AL West, team which like what kind of a compliment is that so in this case I think it was a mixture of both it was certainly a great you know matchup for him going up against all these righties and he was a fun price across the DFS industry um in the eight to nine thousand dollar range even like 7.5 as a pitcher and you're right on that teeter-totter I always get nervous but this is a fair price for him going up against the Angels so I definitely think it was quite a bit of the matchup but when you're playing at um Angel Stadium. It's a weird park to play at. And I know that's definitely a scenario. So I think a lot of the elements were actually working were actually working for him um, as opposed to it, everything working up against like the, the opposite team. So I think it was just a, a great matchup overall. Uh, not necessarily him just being a phenomenal pitcher. I'm not saying he's a bad All pitcher, right. but the, the this type of lineup helped.
0: It it helped him. Yeah. Okay. Well we're we're already bumping up close to break, alright. So let's get see if we get through one or two more before the break here. Dan Straley uh, versus the Phillies. The Phillies seem to ma- be making righties just look fantastic. Uh, but Straley, mm-hmm. six and two-thirds, two runs uh, with 10 Ks. Uh, he's had some nice starts, but d- do you buy him against every team?
1: Uh, no, I definitely think in this scenario, it was, it was just the, the matchup was pretty was pretty stellar.
0: All right. And Drew Pomeranz. this is a tough one. Now, great start for him. Seven, uh, seven innings, one run, no walks. And that might be a key to the line here. Eight strikeouts for Pomeranz against the White Sox, who actually, according to Woba, are the toughest team against left-handed pitchers. But they also have the highest bad right. So I have to wonder how legit that ranking is for the White Sox. And they don't walk a whole lot uh, against lefties. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the weaker parts of Pomeranz's game. So despite the White Sox's high standing uh, against lefties, do you think that this is a helpful matchup for Pomeranz?
1: I do. I, I don't like, I didn't like Frazier in this matchup for sure. I actually told people, a lot of people to sit in, um, but yeah, it's a lefty lefty matchup against all righties. So that, that to me stuck out a lot. Um, but I think in this particular case, I love Pomeranz overall, so that didn't really deter me, but this matchup really just kind of added to it, but he has more of an exceptional, I guess, confidence behind him as starting against pretty much any, not pretty much anyone, but this, He's a stellar pitcher with a really great matchup.
0: All right. Well, we got two more. I don't know that we're going to be able to cram these in in, in about 30 seconds. Maybe just preview it for after <laughs> the break. But the Mets uh, Brewers had an interesting pitching matchup going yesterday. It should have favored, you think, Jacob deGrom uh, going against Junior Guerra recently activated from the DL. Uh, but it did not go the way you might have expected. Uh, and I have to wonder how much the the hitters in, in that matchup influence the pitching results you know rather than maybe the other way around so uh junior guerra and jacob Degrom. uh i think that's uh one that we will save for after the break and time permitting uh maybe we talk about a few more players that we're not sure if they're legit or not because we're almost at the two-month mark of the season so one segment to go lots to cover stick around and see if we can do it we'll be right back Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Rag Fantasy Baseball, and uh, you're being joined by your two favorite Karma Chameleons. I'm um, your host Al Melfi. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: And that, of course, is Jessica Klein Schmidt. Uh, so, Jess, before the break, we were talking, we were playing. Is it the pitcher or is it the matchup? It seemed like we're a leading matchup on on most of these guys, but we got two more that mm-hmm. faced each other. On Wednesday, Junior Guerra for the Brewers, Jacob DeGrom for the Mets. Guerra went six scoreless with four strikeouts, and DeGrom went just four innings and allowed seven runs on eight hits and five walks. Yay. So, Brewers have been pretty tough against righties. I think not, maybe not as much lately as earlier in the season, but overall pretty tough. And the Mets, I mean, again, not, not terrible against righties, um, but they have one of the lower batting averages. There's some power there but they, you haven't really been hitting for average so how much do you attribute uh, the the matchups to these respective uh, performances
1: well I mean I don't like the whole storyline aspect of them that's struggling but I mean it seems to be working towards uh, towards guerra and this scenario because where is not a great pitcher in my, in my, you know, opinion. And I know DeGrom's a great pitcher. So it just, it could just be one of those awkward matchups where things are working for someone and things weren't working for somebody. But I mean, he was also going up against Conforto and Jay Bruce and, you know, Rene, I like, I like Rene, I like Renee Rivera from like a small, you know, kind of lineup play. So it's definitely a weird scenario for me. They're both solid pitchers, but in this scenario, I don't really know what happened with junior. I don't know if he was just on it or what the deal was, but I also don't know if the Mets storyline of them struggling really hit them in a different type of way. So I'm not sure. And I think DeGrom just had kind of an off day.
0: Yeah. Was it just maybe the, the Mr. Met effect?
1: I mean, I would be upset if my mascot was going around flipping people off too. I wouldn't be able to hit.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, maybe maybe we could have just condensed the whole segment down to that (laughs) then, perhaps. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's close out, Jeff, with uh, you know, kind of a a capstone type of topic here because it is June first, so we're now in the third month of the season. So it's really a good it's it's a good time every year to kind of take stock and say, okay, we've got some pretty good sample sizes here. Uh, We can kind of make a judgment on certain players if, if they're legitimately good or bad. Who are you still on the fence about? Is there one player that stands out?
1: You know what? Believe it or not, I'm still not 100% in on Lomo. Logan Morrison, and I don't mm. know why. I don't know if he just like had a really solid – he could be one of those guys who has a really solid first half and just falls off the second half, and I, I always like to wait until the second half. I mean, it's almost too good to be true with him. He wasn't even sure if he was going to you know get re-signed by, by Tampa Bay, and then he's you know coming out really hot. And obviously, I'm really proud of him. I think he's doing good. He's spending more time off the DL and off Twitter and on the actual baseball field, so that's great. But it, it almost seems like these numbers are too good to be true with him, so I'm still – Still waiting on him which sounds kind of bad because he certainly proved himself but I don't know I just get the weird feeling about him
0: yeah well he's one of many uh you know mid-career types who have broken out yeah. so it's not just you know yeah the Cody Bellinger's uh coming out of nowhere yeah. and uh you know but the, that's a little easier to buy into but yeah the, the Justin Smokes and the the Logan Morrison's uh they're yeah, that they're they're tougher, definitely uh tougher one to figure out. And actually if I had to pick one guy, it'd be somebody kind of in the same boat, and that's Brett Gardner. I I just don't oh, really yeah. understand where all this power has come from all of a sudden for him. So, I mean, that I might be ignoring him at my own expense because he's pl- you know being an all-around producer and playing, you know, like a must-start guy, but I just You know, injuries have been an issue for him just like with Morrison and uh, I'm not sure I trust him to stay healthy or to stay this productive so those are guys we'll Mm -hmm. watch closer uh, certainly over the next couple weeks Jess thanks so much for joining us really appreciate it look forward to having you back on the show we will be back again tomorrow and be sure to tune in because my guest tomorrow is going to be Adam Azer should be a fun one anyways enjoy the uh, small but good slate tonight see you back here tomorrow have a great one everybody